You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to another episode of the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us, that's you, that's me, causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. And I'm so glad that I'm on the winning side. And I'm so glad you're on the winning side. Please tag a friend, let them know that we're live today. And I have my uh, iPad here. I want you to send any questions or any comments. And I love getting questions from you about the lesson. And your comments are so uh, informative. So send us your questions and your comments. I'll try to get to them at the end of the lesson. And you can get the the audio of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. But we're going to get into our lesson entitled Climbing Down the Ladder to Greatness. Climbing Down the Ladder to Greatness to greatness. This is our second lesson and our theme is on humility. We're talking about humility. I said in uh, our first episode last week, I said that humility is a mark of spiritual maturity. I don't know whether you realize this, but it's possible to be a Christian and never mature spiritually, never grow up spiritually. It's possible to be born again, genuinely saved, and never mature as a Christian. But the mark and the goal of every Christian should be to mature and to grow up in Christ. The mark of, one of the the outstanding marks of spiritual maturity is humility. It is a character strength a character strength. Now, I said something the Spirit of God said to me, and I put it in my journal years ago. It was a prophetic word from the Lord. He said to me, the next move of God will be in the area of character. So this series, this series of lessons, a short series, is really about character and character development. God said that the next move of God will be in the area of character. So in our first lesson, first episode, we began teaching about Jesus, the perfect example of humility. In part one, we talked about what humility is not, what humility is. And then we closed out by looking at four four divisions, categories, or the the essence of humility, and we put it in in, in four quadrants. Now, in part two, we're going to get deeper into the life of Jesus, and I want to give a background uh, scripture, a background text, Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 9, in the traditional King James Version. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also... In Christ Jesus, let this mind, let this attitude, let this way of thinking, let this disposition be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery 
to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself, upon him, the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That's Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 9 in the King James Version. There's some quick points that I want to make before we get into the meat of the lesson today. Number one, when we look at that background text, we, the scripture says that Jesus was equal to God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They are one, the Bible says. Jesus himself said that I and my Father are one in John chapter 10, verse 30. So Jesus is equal to the Father. I want you to see that. Now listen at this. This, this text, though, said he made himself of no reputation. Now the words no reputation comes from uh, a Greek word, kenosis, and it means he emptied himself. Now I want you to listen at this because we're going to be looking at Jesus' life and we want to see the humility in his life. The Bible says that he emptied himself. So the question arises, okay, what did he empty himself of? Or we could say he laid aside. What did he lay aside? Well, he emptied himself. Remember, Jesus is God, but he emptied himself of his divine right, rights, his divine privileges, and his divine power to operate as God in the earth. He emptied himself. He laid aside the right to operate, the privilege to operate, and the power to operate as God in the earth. Now, I want, to, I want you to understand, and, and if you understand what I'm getting ready to say now, it'll help you to appreciate his humility when the Bible says that he emptied himself or laid aside his, his rights to operate as God, he did not lay aside the essence of divinity. In other words, he was God. He didn't lay aside his deity. He didn't lay aside that. He laid his, aside his right and his privilege and the power to operate as God in the earth. Now, listen at this. Even though Jesus was both God and man, fully God, he was fully God in the earth, fully man in the earth. Now, listen at this. Everything he did in the earth, he did only as a man. Now, he was both God and man, and he didn't lay aside his divinity. He just laid aside his right to operate in the earth as God. And even though he was fully God, the, the 30 
uh, three and a half years he was in the earth, even though he was fully God and fully man, everything he did, he did only, now listen to this, only as a man, willing and choosing to be directed by his father and totally dependent and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He chose, he was willing to be led by his father and he was totally dependent on and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now what that, that literally means or in a practical way, what that means is that when Jesus resisted temptations, and we see that over in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 11, he did not resist temptation as God. He resisted the temptation as a man led by his Father and empowered by the Holy Spirit. He, he operated fully as a man in the earth when he walked on the water. He walked on the water, not as God. Some people say, well, he walked on the water because he was God. No, he didn't walk on the water because he was God. He walked on the water. That was working of miracles. He was, he was operating as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. And remember, Peter walked on the water too for a period. So he was operating supernaturally. Now listen at this. When he fed the 5,000, he didn't feed the fed. 5,000 as God. When he healed the sick, he didn't heal the sick as God. When he performed miracles, he didn't perform miracles as God. He was operating in the earth, fully operating fully as a man, who was led by his father in heaven, and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. If Jesus had operated in the earth as God, then we couldn't follow his example. We couldn't follow in his footsteps. But the thing before we get into the meat of our lesson, Jesus came in the earth as a servant of men. Now, I want to talk the rest of the way, and what this lesson is about is about Jesus, the perfect example of humility. Jesus, the perfect example of humility. The scripture says over in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Now, I, I, sometimes I'll read through the Bible, and I think all of us should read through the Bible, and I spend most of my time reading through the New Testament, although sometimes I'll go from Genesis and then read all the way through. But we're under the New Covenant, so I read a lot in the New Testament. But I do sometimes character studies. I look at an individual in the Bible and study that individual and, uh, and learn something from that individual. And I've done that with Jesus. Sometimes I'll say, I want to I wanna get to know Jesus. 
I'm talking about how I approach in my own quiet time. Okay, I want to get to know Jesus in this particular season. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I'm going to, I'm going to uh, look closely at Jesus Christ, how he thought, what he said, how he reacted, uh, how he responded, uh, his behavior, uh, his moods, his attitudes, his words. I, I study him. And so here's what I want you to do. We're talking about Jesus, the perfect example of humility. I gave last week definitions, and I gave you a lot of stuff about what humility is. Today, I want to kind of do a character study, if you will. I want to give you seven traits using the definitions that I gave you in our first lesson. And I'm going to give you a trait, and then we're going to see what Jesus said or what he did or how he behaved in a situation. And I want you to see this man's humility. I want you to see Jesus Christ's humility. So let's talk now. We're looking unto Jesus, how he thought what he said, what he did, how he responded, and we are looking for humility. And I want you to follow along with me, and I want you to listen to Jesus, look at Jesus, think about Jesus, and I want you to see his humility. Now, number one, when we look at Jesus, we see that Jesus had a proper perspective of the Father, talking about God, a proper perspective of the Father, and he also had a, he was had a committed relationship with him. And remember, we said that's a character trait of humility, having a proper perspective of the Father, and he also had a committed relationship with him. In other words, he saw the sovereignty of God. He, he saw that God was above him in the earth, and he was looking up. Humble people, they look up to God. Now, watch this. Let's look at some of what he said in John chapter 6. Verse 38 in the New Living Translation. And you can go back and look this up yourself. Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. Now notice the humility. He said, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God. So he was instructed by God. He's looking up to the Father. And he said, I came down in the earth to do the will of the Father, him that is above me, and not to do my own will. You know, sometimes we say that uh, we just want God's will. We just want God's will, whatever God wants. But if you evaluate and look closely, and, and I've fallen in this category too, it's really not God's will. It's my will. It's, and I think all of us have to deal with some element of pride because we want to do what we want. 
we just want to do what we want. We want to do what we like. We want to do what we prefer. We want to do what we're comfortable with. We want to do what uh, benefits us. So we really have to weed through our motives. Is it really about what God wants? He said, I came from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him that sent me. In John 7, 16, in the New Living Translation, so Jesus told them, my message is not my own. My message is not my own. It came from God who sent me. Notice the humility. My message is not my own. It come from God who sent me. Every minister, every pastor, every preacher should evaluate, is my message really coming from God? Is it what God wants to say? Have I spent enough time with God to discern what he wants to share with the people? Or did I just put something together? Now, listen what he says in John 12, 49. And we're just looking at Jesus the whole way today. John 12, 49 in the New Living Translation. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. Now, that's humility. Now, listen what he says. John 12, 49, verse 49, New Living Translation. I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say, and he's commanded me how to say it. He said, the Father sent me, and I didn't come on my own authority, and my message is not mine. My father has commanded me what to say, listen to the humility, and he's commanded me how to say it. Now, if you look at verse 50, John 12, 50, the B part of the verse, New Living Translation, he says, so I say whatever the father tells me to say. So I say whatever the father tells me to say. In other words, he said, I don't have a mind about it. I'm not trying to think about it. I'm not trying to figure it out. I just seek the Father. What do you want me to say? How do you want me to say it? Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a a situation, it could have been a conflict situation or some situation, and you said the wrong thing? How many have said the wrong thing? I know I've said the wrong thing. Have you ever said something and wish you had not said it. Have you ever said something and wish you hadn't said it the way you said it? And you know, we've all made mistakes like that. We've all put our foot in our mouths. Why? Because we don't really take the time to ask God, what should I say? How should I say it? What should I say? How should I say it? What should I say? Take a lot of times we're speaking out of our emotions, but notice what he says. He says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say. He's commanded me how to say it. And then he said, so I just say whatever the Father tells me to say. Notice the humility. Now, 
Let's look at a second trait of humility. Jesus, number two, Jesus had an accurate understanding of his identity. He had an accurate understanding of his identity. Now remember in, in our first episode, lesson one, we said that a, a humble person aligns his or her thoughts and beliefs with God's opinion of him or her and aligns his beliefs and his thoughts of God's estimates of his worth and value. So if I'm walking in humility, then I'm going to align my thoughts. I'm going to align my, uh, my beliefs with how God sees me, what God says about me. And I'm going to align my belief and my thoughts with God's estimate of my value and my worth. And here we see Jesus doing just that. He had an accurate understanding of his identity. Now, let's see some examples. In Matthew eleven twenty nine, in the New Living Translation, Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. Notice he understood. He, he wasn't intimidated. He, he wasn't so concerned. He says, I'm humble and I'm gentle apart. And he said, let me teach you. Let me teach you. See, he knew who he was. He said, I'm humble and I'm gentle. Let me teach you and you'll find rest for your souls. Now listen what he says. He says, I'm living waters. Wow. He says, I'm the bread of life. Notice what he says. I'm the resurrection and the life. Notice what he says. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Remember, that can sound a little arrogant. No, no, no. That's what he heard the Father say about him. That's what the Father said to him, and that's what he said. The father said this to him, so he says, I'm the resurrection and the life, because that's what the father said. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, because that's what the father said. He was simply agreeing or aligning his thoughts with what God said about him, and that's humility. When you align your thoughts, you don't see Jesus walking around saying, I'm nobody, I'm just a failure, I'll never be anybody, I'm not worth, nobody loves me. You never hear him talk like that because his father never said that. His father never said he didn't have any value. The father never said he was a failure. He aligned his beliefs and he thought his thoughts up with what the father said about him. Now, listen at this statement. Let, listen at this statement. Often, true Bible humility sounds like arrogance to the uninformed ear. Now, I want you, I want you to listen to that. I want you to really listen to that because we want to get a handle on this humility thing. Often, true Bible humility sounds like arrogance to the uninformed ear. 
My, my spiritual father, uh, Dr. Fred Price, who is now with the Lord, he, he, he died some time ago. He's with the Lord, but he was very bold and, and, and he, he didn't care a lot about uh, people just approving him. And often he was thought of as being arrogant. But listen at this, often true Bible-based humility sounds like arrogance to the uninformed ear. And that's why you got Christians, they trying to be humble and they are downgrading themselves and they, they're talking negative about themselves because they think that's humility. No, really, that's pride. Anytime you downgrade yourself, it's pride. Now, I'll give you an illustration in my own life. I've said from time to time, and some of you that have walked this destiny journey with me, maybe members of the church or people who connected to the teaching, you've heard me say something like this. When the dust settles, I will be standing. When the dust settles, Mike Moore going to be standing. When the dust settles, I am going to be standing. You will never read about me in the paper. You will never read about me in the paper having done something crazy, uh, going with women and doing all. You will never read about that. You'll never read in the paper about me in some kind of scandal. Listen at this. I've said to my members, I, I will not, you will not walk around with your head down ashamed of your pastor because of something I did. That's never going to happen. When the dust settle, I will be standing. Now, when you hear that, and, and I know when pastors and ministers and, and, and leaders hear it, they be thinking, oh, my God, you have to be careful when you say stuff like that because that could be, you know, the Bible says take heed uh, lest you fall, you know, and it, it just sounds kind of arrogant that you, you're not going to fail. And no, Okay, okay, let me explain. Let me explain it to you so you can get it because oftentimes true Bible humility sounds like arrogance. Now, I don't say that because I can't be tempted because I have. I don't say that because um, I don't have the capacity to fall into some more failure. I, I don't say that like that. I don't say that because I have great confidence in myself. No. Let me tell you why I say that. Years ago, many years ago, I've been in, I've been in ministry now 40-some years, so we're talking 30, 35, close to 40 years ago, I was reading about great men and women of God. I was studying their life and reading about them, and it was just kind of interesting how so many of them, not all of them, but so many of them would be doing exploits for God. I mean, just signs and wonders and miracles and great crowds would be following them and, and just do just wonderful. But at the end of their lives, well, really not at the end of their lives, somewhere in their ministry, they would have a moral failure. They may end up in a uh, affair or uh, alcoholic or some kind of situation, and, and they the, they would just fall. It, it was crazy. It was just really crazy. 
So when I began to read that, I felt almost a little fear, because you have to understand I'm young and, and as a minister. I felt a little fear. And, and I remember in, in this first house that we lived in, I was crying out to God and I was on the floor, on the floor crying out to God and I was telling God, I said, now God, I don't want to fall like that. I don't want to fail like that. And I don't know, I felt almost like afraid or a fear or something. I was feeling something uh, because all these were great people. They weren't bad people. They were great people. And I was crying out. I said, God, I don't want to do that. I don't want to fall like that. I don't want to mess up like that. And the Spirit of God spoke to me. And he said, you shall both do great things and shall prevail. You shall both do great things and you shall prevail. Now, for over 30 some years, close to 40 years, that's been my confession that I'll both do great things and prevail. Now, that's what God says. So whenever temptation comes, because I'm not saying when the devil sells, I'm not going to be tempted because I have been tempted. I'm just like anybody else. And I do have the capacity to fall. So whenever I'm tempted, I'll say that. And I've been saying that for years. I'll both do great things and I'll prevail. I both do great things and I prevail. Whenever Satan tempted, I said, no, Satan, I'll resist that in Jesus' name because I'm doing great things and prevailing. So from your vantage point, when you hear that when the devil sell, I'm going to stand. You'll never read about me in the paper having fallen and you'll not walk around with your head embarrassed because of what I've done. I'm not basing that confession and affirmation on my strength or my ability or my holiness or my perfection. No, no, no. I am basing it on what God said to me. And he said, you shall both do great things and you shall prevail. So for 40 years, he's kept me. So I'm believing that he's going to keep keeping me. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and humility bases your belief and your thoughts on what God says about you. Let's look again, let's look further at Jesus. Number three, Jesus was totally dependent on God the Father, and he knew who really deserved the credit. That's humility. He was totally dependent on the Father, and he really knew who deserve the credit. So let's see, let's see what he says. In John 5.30, John 5.30, in the New Living Translation, it says, Jesus here is speaking. He said, I can do nothing on my own or by myself. Now that's humility. Notice this is Jesus, the Son of God. Now remember, he's fully God. He's fully man in the earth. But now he's operating as a man. And notice what he says. I can do, this Jesus, I can do nothing on my own. I can do nothing by myself. Listen to the humility. In John 14, 10, in the New Living Translation, John 14, 10, Jesus says, my father who lives in me does his work through me. One translation says, my it's my father in me that does the work. Notice he didn't accept the credit for it. And humble people 
they know who really deserves the credit. They're not walking around strutting themselves, all impressed with themselves. He says, my father who lives in me, he does the work through me. We're talking about Jesus and we're looking at his life. Number four, Jesus was focused on glorifying his father, not himself. Jesus was focused on glorifying his father and not himself. So let me ask you, Christian. Let me ask you, leader. Let me ask you, minister. Let me ask you, pastor. Let me ask you, preacher. Let me ask you, business person. Let me ask you, whoever you may be listening to me now, who are you focusing on glorifying? Who? Who are you focused on glorifying? Is it God or self? Is it God that you're trying to glorify? That means to magnify, to make big. Do you want people to be impressed with God or do you want people to be impressed with you? Now, you have to be honest with yourself because, see, you can say, oh, it's just Jesus I'm concerned about. All I want is Jesus. But, see, God looks at our heart. And there were times many years ago when, when God confronted me and I said, well, yeah, I'm not really concerned about the people. I'm concerned about myself. I want a big church and I want to be a popular and I want to have a name because I want to be big. And I had to, I had to fess up with God. I, there was some pride there. And I, it's about me. It's not about the people. And I think every person who leads people somewhere at some time, you're going to have to get really naked before God. You're going to have to, you can't play games with him. You can play games with people, but you can't play games with God because God sees our hearts. And so I said, now, God, yeah, it's not about the people. So burn the big shot out of me. I want that big shot out of me. OK, maybe you have to talk to God. Maybe you have to talk to him about you. Maybe the reason you get so offended at people because they hurt your feelings. They hurt you. You know what I mean? Maybe you get upset at, at the people that you're leading because they they hurt your feelings. So all of us have to do that. You know, I I'm always got to always evaluating myself. Because we have egos. We have egos and we have to really be honest. Am I trying to glorify God or am I trying to glorify myself? Notice what Jesus said in John 8:50, the New Living Translation. We're just looking at Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. John 8:50, the New Living Translation. He says, And though I have no wish to glorify myself. He said, I have no wish, boy, to glorify myself. Well, we got some work to do. John 17, 4, at the end, near the end of his ministry and life, he says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have glorified you on the earth. Now, that's what we want to be able to say. At the end of our lives and the end of our ministry and the end of whatever, I have glorified you in the earth. Number five, we're talking about 
traits of humility and we're looking at Jesus because he's our example. He's our example. Jesus, number five, was not consumed with trying to please and impress others. Wow, that's heavy. He was not consumed with trying to please and impress others. Now, if you got any comments or questions, please send your comments or questions in, and I'll try to get to them at the end of the lesson. Jesus was not consumed with trying to please and impress others. He did not need the approval. He did not need the praise of men. What about you? What about you? You know, and I, I'm not putting anybody down because, see, the spotlight has to begin on me first. Much of the time when we get offended, especially as leaders, much of the time when we get offended, and, and, and just Christians, we get offended because they didn't call our name. We get offended because they didn't, they didn't recognize us. They, we get offended because um, they didn't acknowledge us in some kind of way. And, and really, it's because the people heard so-and-so name, but they didn't, the people didn't hear my name. The people don't know what I did. But Jesus was not consumed with trying to please and impress others. He didn't need the approval. He didn't need the praise of men. Let's see, let's see some examples of that. In Mark chapter 1, verse 44, after healing a leper, Jesus healed this leper, leper a chronic, contagious uh, disease, terminal disease, in the sense that the person will live and die with the condition. After healing a leper, listen what Jesus told the leper. Don't tell anyone about this. Don't tell anyone about this. Just go to the priest and, and give the offering let them confirm that you're healed, but don't tell anyone about this. Mark 5, 43. Mark chapter 5, verse 43. After raising a young girl from the dead. Now imagine you're a minister, you're a leader, you're a believer, and you raise somebody from the dead. I mean, the power of God flowed in there, and somebody that was dead gets up, start talking, after raising a young girl from the dead, Jesus gave them. Now, the mother was there. The father was there. Three of his disciples were there. And Jesus gave them strict orders that to tell, not to tell anyone what had happened. He raised her from the dead and then gave strict orders to the people who saw it to not tell anybody what happened. Mark 7, 36, after healing a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, he healed the man. Then he told the crowd who saw it to not tell anyone 
Now, of course, Jesus had reasons why he didn't want them to tell anyone. And I won't try to go into the different reasons. Uh, but I want, because in another case over in Mark 5, 19, after he healed the demoniac, he said to the demoniac, the man who had the legion of demons, he delivered him. He said, the demoniac wanted to follow, the delivered man wanted to follow him. He said, no. He said, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So in that particular case, he said, go home and tell your family. Go home and tell them what happened. Well, later on, he was going to come in that area. And that man had spread that thing all over. So that was kind of advertising for him to come in and minister to other people. What I want you to get, though, is notice how he had to restrain his ego. What would you have done? You healed this person through the power of God. They can talk now and they can, they can hear now. You raise this person from the dead. When you have a little go, little ego thing that won't everybody know what you had done. And the reason why we want people to know what we have done is because it's not humility, it's pride. See, the real issue is that the girl is alive. The real issue is that the man can now, he can hear and he can speak. The real issue is what happened to the people. But we want them to know we did it. We want them to know we did it. I'm the one, you know, I'm the one, I did it. And, you know, I think it just boils down to pride. Number six, Jesus came to serve and not to dominate and be served. <laughs> Listen at that. And I think every pastor, every apostle, every prophet, every teacher, every evangelist, we need to get this. We need to get this. Every leader need to get this. We need to get this. Listen, Jesus came to serve not to dominate people and be served. Now, you, you know, uh, in our ranks as ministers, we want, the, we want certain seats. And if we don't get certain seats, we get offended. And they didn't have a seat for me. And they didn't, you know, to be honest with you, a lot of us, are very impressed with ourselves. We are very impressed with ourselves. We, we've had ministers to come and speak at our church, and we've had singers to come and guest soloists and singers to come and speak at our church. And, you know, some people are really impressed with themselves. You can tell that they're very impressed. Uh, they think a lot of themselves. Uh, but I think about and, you know, I try to not call people names, especially unless you're saying something good about them. You don't want to call people's names. But I remember when Anthony Brown came here to minister, anointed gospel singer, just anointed. 
He was so beautiful. His personality was wonderful. His there was no ego tripping. There was no he his he I loved him. I loved the way he carried himself. It was just beautiful. But sometimes you have people come in because they are so and so. They're very impressed with themselves. They're very impressed with themselves. And so listen what Jesus says in Luke 22, 24 through 27 in the New Living Translation. Uh, the disciples were, now watch this. This was right after Jesus was teaching them about he was going to go to the cross and he was going to be crucified and all that. And right on the heels of that, they start arguing about who was going to be the greatest among them. Who's going to be the greatest? Now, listen what Jesus said in Luke 22, 24 through 27. Luke 22, verses 24 through 27 in the New Living Translation. Then they, the disciples, began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Jesus told them, now listen to Jesus, in this world, the kings and great men lord it over their people yet they are called friends of the people but uh, among you it will be different he's saying the world you know the leaders they just lord it over people they tell them you do this and you get here and you come here and you serve me and you got to serve me and you got to do this and they dominate and control people they're very impressed with themselves. They're very impressed with themselves. He says, that's in the world, but among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you shall take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here, for I am among you as one who serves. Now, let me balance this out. Let me balance this out. Because if you're not hearing accurately, you may hear that Jesus is saying there should be no cease of honor and that people shouldn't be honored. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that at all. You know, sometimes, well, it's an honorable thing to honor people who have accomplished something. So he's not talking about that. He's not saying, you. no, no, no. It, it's an honorable thing to honor those who are in leadership. It's an honorable thing to honor those who have accomplished something great and magnificent. No, he's not talking about that. He's not even saying you shouldn't sit in a place of honor. He's not saying that at all. He's talking about our mindset. He's talking about our attitude. And really what he's talking about is that when you sit at the table of honor, when you're sitting at the table of honor, he says you should realize that you're being honored or should be honored because you're a servant, okay? And you should respect the people who are serving you. You shouldn't look down on the people. You shouldn't handle the people wrong. And sometimes the great people in the world 
having people serve them. They talk to them any kind of way and they talk to them and, and, and that's wrong, he's saying. He says, always consider, see yourself in the eyes of God as a servant of the people. So if I'm sitting at a table of honor because I'm a pastor, you know, and they may have a special seat for me, and people may be serving me, the waiters may be serving me. I'm not going to talk to those those people any kind of way. I'm not going to treat them. I'm not going to run them all over the place and then, and then, especially if I'm in a restaurant, and then give them a dollar, two dollars, and you ran them all over the place. No. You want to honor those people. You want to respect those people. And the higher up, the more respectful you need to be. Some of us are too impressed with ourselves. And whenever you get to the point where people are little people, you're seeing little people and everybody is about serving you, whenever you get to that point, you are too impressed with yourself. I remember something Paul said, what do we have, think about it, what do we have that we did not receive from God? What do we have that we do not did not receive from God? So any honor, any whatever, always be a servant and see yourself as a servant and never get to the place where you're looking down. Whenever you're looking down on people, you're too impressed with yourself. That's pride. Number seven, Jesus trusted God the Father to exalt him. Jesus trusted the Father to exalt him. He didn't exalt himself. He didn't uh, look to people to exalt him. He trusted the Father to exalt him. And if you walk in humility, he's going to always lift you up. That's what the scripture says. If you walk in humility, God going to always lift you up. Now listen at this. In John chapter 8, verse 50, in the New Living Translation, John 8, 50, New Living Translation, Jesus says, and though I have no wish to glorify myself, we read that, God is going to glorify me. God is going to glorify me. Notice he trusted God to glorify him. John 8, 54, New Living Translation, Jesus says, if I want glory for myself, it doesn't count, but it is my Father who will glorify me. Listen what it says in Philippians 2, 9, we read it earlier. It says, wherefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. The scripture is really clear about that. God exalted him. He made himself of no reputation, but then it says God exalted him. He made himself of no rec rec uh, rec recognition, reputation, then God exalted him. He, he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He made himself of no reputation, and then God exalted him. Now, I got a few closing remarks, and then we'll answer any questions that we have, any comments that we have. Uh, listen, at, listen, listen at this. Um, 
when you exalt yourself, you will fail. When you exalt yourself, you will fail. When you exalt yourself, you will fail. When you look to people to exalt you, you will become bitter, disillusioned, and lose your motivation to serve. Now, I want you to listen to that. When you look to people to exalt you, you will become bitter because sometimes you're going to get overlooked by people. You will become bitter and disillusioned and you lose your motivation to serve. So when you, you're, you're, you're serving, but you lose your motivation to serve, you have to ask yourself, are you serving the people and, to, and glorifying God, are you serving because there's something you want? There's something you want out of it. Because we're supposed to serve the people to glorify God, and we trust God to glorify us. And then finally, I want to say this. Whenever God lifts you up, take it. When God lifts you up, he glorifies you, he honors you in some way. Take it and walk in it and give God the glory and give God the praise. Don't push it away. You know, when when God does something and he exalts you and promotes you and recognizes you, receive it as a gift from God. Give God the glory and continue to serve people and he'll keep elevating you. Now, I have a I have a comment. Uh, my my iPad kind of went off on me there, but I got a comment here. Um, Ted, we got any, any more questions? Okay. Often true Bible-based humility sounds like arrogance to the uninformed person. It is pride when a person downgrades themselves or diminishes themselves. Thank you, Pastor Moore, for teaching this. I heard this from a pastor years ago, and I'm thankful that you brought this to my remembrance. Okay. Thank you. Good, 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 good. Okay. Listen, uh, I think I have one more lesson on this. We'll close this next week. We're going to talk about some of the rewards of humility and look at how to walk in it. I trust you being blessed. Thank you so very much for uh, spending this time with us, and we look forward to seeing you next time. <laughs>